What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, howdy, Mr. Milam. How are you, sir? I'm good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm a little, uh, I might get a little bit drowsy sounding. So what you're saying is you're still a little hungover from your B incident on our yep. uh, bonus episode? <laughs> yep. Sounds good. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> got, uh, oh, I got a swollen chin. I look like Popeye the Sailor Man. I just need me a corn cob pipe and a little bitty hat. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good to know. Um, we are going to talk today about basically the spring growth of your colonies. And the concept of this one is not necessarily going to be in the format and style that we would have talked about in years past, because right now, if you've been following the show and, and, and I do want to preface this, if you've been following the show since day one, and you are at least in your third year of beekeeping or more, then this subject right now applies to you as far as the format that we're going to do. If you are not, and you are in your first or second year of beekeeping, and you've just binged the podcast and caught up very quickly, then that's perfectly fine. But I do not advise that you do what I'm about to tell everybody else to do. <laughs> okay. So... The whole point of this is is in those earlier years when you hear us talk about when you should add things to the colonies and when you should do this and this and this, it's all based on the perspective that you're starting with brand new colonies. Those colonies are either packages or nukes. They're very small. They can't guard a big space and they don't have a lot of resources. You don't have a lot of drawn comb. By the time you move into your second year, things pick up and they go a little bit quicker. You've got all of the previous years drawn comb already in the hive gives them room to expand a little bit quicker and kind of get up and get going. And then you can still follow that general rule of putting on a box of foundation or foundationless frames um, or bars, empty bars, and allowing them to go through and build that out until they have filled up 90% of it. And then you can add another box and they build that out till they filled up 90%. And then you can add another box. Like that's the whole process of year one and year two coming into year three. But by the time you hit year three or four or five and beyond, in theory, you should have some supplies of drawn comb. Or if you're like Ken, you went out and bought a boatload of it mm -hmm. right off the bat and you've got a supply mm -hmm. of drawn comb. So this concept is all about your colonies are established. You've got all the drawn comb that you need. You have come out of winter the flowers are starting to bloom, the nectar starting to flow, your colony has filled up your main deep box and they're ready for more room. Maybe they already had a medium on there and they've eaten through those food stores and they've laid bees in both boxes. Go ahead and add on that next box of drawn comb. But here's where everything, where we just take the handbook and we just straight up throw it out the window. If you've got a big strong colony and you're in your main nectar flow and you've got boxes of drawn comb, give it to them. Just give it all to them by putting on a lot of drawn comb. And again, we're going to contradict everything that made sense in year one and two. So if you're in year one, two, skip this, <laughs> ignore this. Um, 
But if you've already got a lot of drawn comb and your colony is strong, there's the big key there. You can't do this to a nuke or a package that you've just put in that can barely guard a full 10 frame box. You're talking a colony that's already pushing that 30 to 60,000 bees. You go on there and you give them three empty boxes of drawn comb that's ready to be filled that they don't have to draw. The comb itself has pheromones in it. And that pheromone almost creates a hoarding sensation inside the bees. They know they've got a lot of space and they've got a lot of room and they will just kick into overdrive and they can utilize this crucial time right now while the nectar flow is in its peak and in that full swing of things. And they'll go through there and they'll backfill all of this stuff. So if, you're, if you've already got a deep and a medium setup, and you've got three additional mediums of drawn comb that you want to add to a strong colony, you can take that top medium off if it's already got some food stores and cap stores going on. Take it off and set it to the side. Put all of the empty drawn comb in the middle and then put that back on the very top. So now they've got all this empty room between them and their stores that are at the very top. And just like in nature, when they do start backfilling, they're going to start at the top and go down. So you've just replicated that for them by moving that up into that top position. By going through and setting it up like this, you could, again, if your colony is strong, you could end up having a bountiful honey harvest from that one colony. Now, if you didn't pay attention to those keywords at the beginning and your colony is not big and is not strong and you do this, what you could end up with is a dead out colony and a lot of silkworm web poop from wax moths because your colony does have to be big enough to guard all of this extra space that you're giving it. And if it is, you can absolutely use it to your advantage to go through and rake in a huge harvest of honey. Now, also for most of the United States, everybody is now coming out of winter. Finally. I know that's really weird to say at the beginning of May that you're finally coming out of winter, but there's been some places that, you know, Colorado keeps having snowstorms. Yep. Um, there's other places across the country where they keep having radical temperature dips and, and snowstorms. But by now, most of the spring flowers are blooming. A lot of the spring trees are blooming or have already bloomed. As you mentioned on last week's bonus episode, mesquite down here in central Texas is already starting to bloom. And all of our normal wildflowers are now in full bloom and we've got Indian blanket out there. We've got top hat, you know, we've got all these things, the mesquites coming into bloom. So our colonies are primed and ready to go. If you're in like Mississippi, for instance, you guys are drowning in nectar at the moment. Colonies just can't even keep up. So it is the prime time to go through and do some of this stuff. Now, if you're still trying to draw comb, Get it on there. Get those boxes on there, but but do it one box at a time and then keep up with them if you're allowing them to draw the comb out. If you want to do things like Ross Rounds, which uh, for Patreon members, there will be a video coming out on the B Academy level on how to use Ross Rounds, how to put them together and how to install them. Um, but if you're going to do something like Ross Rounds, cut comb honey, chunk comb, any of that kind of stuff, this is like right now you need to get that on their hive on the hives because it is when the colony is in this increasing phase when the population's increasing there's a ton of resources available ton of nectar coming in and a ton of baby newly born newly emerged bees that you're going to be able to make a lot of wax very quickly and you want them to do that because on things like the comb honey you, you know there is no foundation or there's a thin sheet of wax and that's it to help kind of get them started and guide them, 
but you want them to build that beautiful white comb out and you don't want the queen to be able to get in there either. So if you are doing a Ross round or you're, you're doing intentions of cut comb honey, you do want to put a queen excluder above the last regular frame box and below the first box that is going to be comb honey because you want that comb honey to be first year, fresh drawn virgin wax, beautiful, white or pale yellow and nothing else. You don't want her to ever lay brood up there or anything. So you do want to utilize that queen excluder at that point. But yeah, this is, this is it. This is your chance. This is the time. This is the get out there and get her done. Um, for those of you down here in central Texas, if you have not already done these things, I would say this is your last week to get it done. Because if you don't get it on there soon enough that they have the time to draw out the wax in things like a Ross round and get it ready to go, they're not going to do it. And if you miss that window where the nectar starts to slow down or they're already really backfilled and they've stopped laying as much brood, therefore there's not as many young bees in there, then you're going to be getting into that middle of the summer dearth mode where they don't want to continue drawing wax. And then you're going to have a struggle. So you do want to get those boxes on sooner rather than later. If they are drawing out empty wax frames or, or even just new foundation frames in a box, definitely kind of still go with that pattern of when they get to the 90%, but just know that a big strong colony can draw out an entire box of comb in a matter of days when they're really just knocking it out of the park. So you might put that box on there on Saturday and on Wednesday, they may be ready for another box. So you got to stay on top of that and kind of keep an eye on where they're at, how they're growing, how quickly they're going. But yeah, that's uh, that's it. Take the playbook, throw it out the window. If you already have drawn comb, give them the drawn comb, allow them to fill it up, see how much space you can give them and, and how much nectar they can pack into that and get capped off for you and see if you get a bountiful honey flow and a bountiful honey harvest for the end of the year. Or if you're like me, put them on there and let them forget to cleaning it. <laughs> they got to clean all that comb I got for the mediums, for the honey supers. It's been windy up here and it's a little dusty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, they will. I mean, going through and cleaning one out is is not, is, well, unless it's just a disaster zone. Um, no, going in and cleaning them out usually is not that hard of a task for a okay. full-fledged strong colony. So that shouldn't yep. be too much of an issue. Nope. It won't be bad. But yeah, it see, there you go. That is uh, that is a quick, down and dirty, nitty-gritty Throw the playbook out the window for your third year. If you already have the resources, get out there, get her done. Don't procrastinate. Get off your butt and get those colonies the resources they need so that you can help them store a lot of nectar that the flowers are currently producing, and they can then turn around and produce a lot of honey for you. So that is, uh, that's my little beekeeping nugget of information and tidbits for this first week of May. There you go. And I think we're going to have a great honey, uh, honey flow, our, our nectar flow up here. I know earlier in the year, I was sitting there, well, looks like we're going to be feeding them all year. Uh, look, you know, the weatherman, always oh, we got a drought coming. It's uh, El Nino and La Nina. No, La Nina. Going to quit raining and all that kind of stuff. And then the blue bonnets, they were late. and But now, all of a sudden, everything's looking good. And our bees are, they're not even working the stuff close to the, to the colonies. They're going up in the hills, up in the mountain, uh, up, you know, they're going away. That's all I can say. We don't see them in close. They're not here at the house anymore. They're going out and they're going somewhere where there's a bunch of flowers. Hope yeah, that's usually a good road. sign when they're, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to go to the most plentiful nectar source 
and they're going to work their way backwards. Typically, you don't see them. You don't see your bees from your hive foraging around the hive unless there is no other food available because that that is usually a good way to lure predators to your home and they just don't do that. So that was one of the adages, you know, back seasons past where we had said when you're first looking at setting up a hive, say you've got a giant garden and you want the bees to pollinate the garden. Well, what you don't do is put the beehive in the middle of the garden because those bees will then not visit your garden. You put the beehive adjacent from the garden so that they can fly over to the garden, pollinate and fly back to the hive and not alert predators of where the hive location is. So that makes sense that they'd be flying off, you know, and if you've got massive fields like, you know, a couple years past up north yep. of you there or west east, west of you there, there mm -hmm. was uh, just massive fields of flowers. And if that's still the case this year, then it would make perfect sense for them to be leaving and heading that direction to go out there yep. and forage and partake on all of that. And I'm hoping there is. I hadn't I hadn't got out and drove around yet, so that's that's one of the things I want to do here pretty quick. I'll know more about what's going on around the countryside. That's a very good point. Doing beekeeping is it is a fine line of two different things. You have to know what is going on in your environment mm -hmm. and how that is going to affect the bees, and then you have to know what is going on inside the bee colony and how that affects the bees, and then how those two separate things interplay with each other and create, you know, this, this balance of sustainability between the ecosystem and the bees and, and just how it all fits together nicely. So those are the two key things. And sometimes people can be really good at one aspect and not so great at the other or vice versa, not so great at the first one, but really good at the other one. But you got to be able to be in tune with both of those things. You have to know What's going on in my colony? Are they bringing in resources? How can I tell that they're bringing in resources? How can I tell that they're resource rich and that all the, the larvae and everybody's getting all the food that they need? And then how can I tell what's going on in the environment and then possibly know how that's going to affect the colony so that I can make any adjustments and course corrections that are needed to then help stave off, you know, any bad implications of that environmental impact on the colony. So beekeeping can definitely be a lot. It is, it is a lot more the, like you might think when you first start beekeeping that it's going to be the easiest thing in the world. And for the most part, yes, if you can successfully keep a garden or a flower bed and you can dedicate one day a week to go out there and pull all the weeds and till the ground and, and cultivate the plants and make sure you keep the pests and everything off of them. If you can successfully do that, you can successfully beekeep. But you will quickly learn when you get into beekeeping, there is a shitload of information out there and yeah. a lot of it contradicts itself. And it can be really hard to find your niche and your path and what you want to do. But then the longer you're in beekeeping, the more you know that you don't know <laughs> that much about beekeeping because the bees are constantly teaching us something new and science is constantly coming up with a new thing you know, that, oh, well, this is how we used to think that it happened, but now it's actually this. Like, we used to think that royal jelly had a magical miracle elixir in it that could turn a little stunted bee into this giant, beautiful queen bee that can live for five years and do all these magical things. And then come to find out, it actually, it, it has to do with the royal jelly, but it's not the royal jelly. It's just the simple fact that she's not eating anything else. And had she eaten anything else that would have stunted her and caused her not to develop. So by eating just this highly nutritious royal jelly and not partaking in bee bread and brood food and those sorts of things, she's then allowed to fully develop. You know, and so there's there's always something like that. There's always some adage that is 
what we've always known to be true. And then we find out later that we only knew the tip of the iceberg and that is beekeeping in a nutshell. It's you're always at the tip of the iceberg, slowly chipping your way down. And what you find is just more and more information and more and more fascinating than you could have ever possibly imagined when you first started. Yeah. <laughs> I assure you, you're learning something every day. <laughs> yes, indeed. Old bees will teach you. And they will teach you keep your chin off of the veil or we will stick you. You know, the funny thing with that is, and I don't remember if you mentioned it on the bonus episode or not, but you we we talked about and sent some pictures out oh months ago about you I and your chin guard. I know, and you had it on. You had your chin guard on. And mm-hmm. they still managed to find some fleshy spots and just nail you. <laughs> yep, they did. Oh, well, that's what they do. It's what they do if you keep poking your chin out through the front of the veil. Sure. I'm going to have to get me a pit helmet. I'm going to try that one next. I'm going to get a pit helmet and uh, go to wearing it and see if it'll hold the veil away from me when I'm bent over and got my head stuck in a brood box. Well, you've also got that that face shield, the clear shield or something too, that your wife had got that I don't yeah. think you've ever tried yet. You've just been doing the purple chin guard, but uh, if you had a solid piece of plastic between your chin and the veil, they couldn't get you through that. Nah, it's more of a like glasses, you know, it just goes over and hooks over your ears and then it hooks on your nose is how that one is. It, it's not a buckle in the back kind of thing. And once it gets, it kind of comes off the year. When you get uh, sweaty, it slips off and then it's dangling around in your veil and you can't get it. Kind of like what you do with your hat whenever you try to put a hat on under there. (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. Yep. Yeah. Luckily, I don't have that problem. I can put on a hat and the bill of the hat keeps the veil from collapsing down onto my face. And for the most part, I can keep my chin out of the way. It's uh, knock on wood. It has been several years since I have sustained a direct to the chin sting while wearing a bee suit. Well, it hadn't been that long with me. <laughs> nope, sure it sure you. hasn't. In fact, I think I've been hit twice this year already. I think, well, in the chin, maybe. I was going to say, I know you've been yeah, stung more than that this year, but in oh, the chin, yeah, maybe, yeah. More than that, but in the chin twice. Yep. Oh, well, it wasn't like last year. I had got got hit, five of them got me in the chin last year, and I swelled, swelled up like a, oh, it was bad. Well, you looked pretty funny and was sounding pretty funny between the swelling and the drugs on yep. uh, on our bonus episode. So, <laughs> yeah, yep. not oh, quite wow. as bad, not quite as bad here, but uh, no. still some remnants. Yep. yep. Everything's good, though. Well, awesome. That is uh, best case scenario then. So, well, this was a, a like I said, this was a down and dirty, nitty gritty, throw the, the playbook out the window episode. Uh, it was fast and hard and heavy and, and quick and now it's done and over. So this one will be a short one for everybody out there, but I do hope that you were doing well. Oh, and I have bad news. It's not the first week of May. It's the second week of May. So everything that I just said, when I said you're running out of time, well, you're really running out of time. (laughs) So time time flew by Oh, an entire week just went by in the span of listening to this little 15 minute chunk. Um, so yeah, get out there, get your stuff prepped. If you haven't already done it, get it done, get it done, get it done. Get it on those hives and get them growing. Yep, it worked. All right. Well, everybody, until next time, y'all be good. Y'all be safe and healthy, family. I will get better. I assure you, just uh, keep your chin off of the veil. 
The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.